This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Podcast Detroit Studios in Ferndale above uh, Activate Gaming. I am Joy Always, and I better get this correct so I don't get my head cut off by my co-host, Justin Spiro. How you doing tonight, Justin? I'm doing fine, and you know why. We had a nice little party on Sunday for the Super Bowl, and... There's a couple of things to talk about there, but uh, what, what do you? Oh, what do you got in your hand there, Jeff? Uh, here's the money that I owe you for. Uh, let's see. All right. Oh, for losing the yes bet on what was the first bet? The twenty dollar bet. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So that's five twenty. No, no, no. That's actually five sixty. Forty dollars in squares. Too. Oh, that's right. The squares. Yeah, God, you would have gotten away with five. Uh, well, that's the kind of. That's the kind of guy you are. Stand-up guy I am. The I first, the first five was, uh, for, the, for the line. <laughs> the, coin, the coin flip uh, was oh, about yeah. to start. I just yell out, five bucks, heads or tails. Someone pick it up. And you go, 20 on heads. And it landed on tails. And that was uh, a perfect microcosm of the night you had to follow. You were quite frustrated uh, for a different reason from your wife, who had her own reasons to we'll, complain. We'll get into that. But uh, I, I'm happy to be here. My, my wallet's a little fatter today. Because of you, so thank you for the donation. I hope that you guys heeded my word. I implored people to bet the money line on this podcast, saying Denver would win the game outright. I had money on the money line. I had them against the spread. I had them every which so way. So why do you need my money? I think you should donate it to, like, a DSR it, cause. It, it was a very pro- – and I'll tell you, Super Bowl weekend for me has been very kind since I turned 21, a whopping 8-1 and one against the spread. So I'm just terrific. <sighs> One of the worst Super Bowls I've ever seen for a myriad of reasons. Uh, a, I thought the game stunk. There was no flow to the game. Uh, it looked like both teams were playing a, in an exhibition game at times. It was just so raw. Um, 
fumbles, idiotic penalties, which we'll get into. But to me, the game completely switched on that on that one play. And you can say all you want how brilliant you were. If they call that a catch, which my oh, my buddy Mike Carey correctly called, they call that a catch. That defensive touchdown never happens. Carolina's driving down the field. I, I, it just I, I was just aggravated on so many levels because to me, clearly Carolina is the better team, and they completely shit the bed on Sunday. And of course, you think that play was worth nineteen and a half points? For, well, I'm gonna I'm not saying they'd have covered. I don't think they'd have covered. I would have owed you the the five hundred regardless. But I think Carolina would. I mean, Carolina did have the ball. Only down as bad as they played all day, they had the ball down sixteen to ten uh, with what four or five minutes to go, needing a drive to win the game, uh, and we all know what happened there. So I mean to say this was like a twenty uh, fourteen point game. I, I mean I you know it was a, I, it was a pretty close game, as bad as Carolina played, and as bad as they played. Has there ever been a worse quarterback in the history of the NFL to win a Super Bowl than? Peyton, forty-year-old Peyton Manning. I mean, they probably would have won the game easier if they just would have taken a knee every time, <laughs> like the and punted, like in the Water Boy in the bowl game when they're trying to take the Water Boy out of the game, they just take a knee. I, you know, maybe you're right. I mean, I don't know. It, it could have been much worse. I, we were saying at the end, uh, I was imploring them to pass, <laughs> and you're just saying, no, just run the clock, like run the ball yeah, and punt. It's first down. Yeah. I mean, this is how. <laughs> I was this asking, is where your football acumen takes a little bit. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you you nailed no, the game. No, I asked for the pass on second down. No, not you first said down. no, no, no. This, I, let me finish. You might have nailed the game and won a lot of money on the money line and everything else, but with like six minutes left and it's sixteen to ten, they run Denver runs on first down from like the, their own twenty-five or whatever it was, and get nothing. And Spiro starts yelling, "You got up! Oh, you got two chances to throw the ball now. You need this first down." <laughs> and I'm going, "Take a fucking knee! There is no way that Kubiak is going to let Manning throw another pass." In this game, and you're like asking, I could not believe you thought that they were going to pass. They were, they were never passing ever again. Manning's arm is like he looks like a guy who had Tommy John surgery at this point, but hasn't had the surgery yet. Like he's got Tommy John injury. It, it's just ridiculous. That's why I thought Carolina would win and cover the spread because Peyton Manning is who I thought he was at this point in his career. And the fact that he hasn't retired yet is ridiculous. I mean, come on. Like, what else? You, did you, have you not seen highlights of yourself from Sunday? You, you got lucky as hell, once again, winning a Super Bowl on the back of your defense. Uh, you never won one when you had a, a, a great offensive postseason. Uh, cash in your chips, Peyton, and uh, you know, go to your Budweiser brewery. Make your money there for the rest of your life. But if you ever get on another football field again, that's an absolute joke. And, you know, you, you've you qualified, oh, you know, you nailed it, but here comes the, the parade of qualifiers, which always happens. And, you know, that's, to be, to be expected. Do you have your 560? I pre- I, I predict, Do you have your 560? I predicted the first Lions 11-win season in two decades. Everyone made fun of me, you included. And then when it came through, I had you and Greg Schultz qualifying everything. I and, and Maybe he did. Not and me. that's exactly what's happening here. And, but here's why. It's not, oh, you have to admit. I mean, the Panthers have they just did anything right, or they made so many mistakes. They wouldn't have covered the spread, but I think Carolina but, could have won that game. I'm talking about my outright prediction, not just the spread prediction right now. And 
that would be valid. Your point would be valid, except I predicted that that exact thing would happen. That the Carolina Panthers would be folding under the bright lights and would not play well. Okay, can we talk about some couple other issues in this game? Yeah, I just as long my as my wife's complaint about yeah. Oh, so about you, it. Well, we'll get it. I that. can't wait for that. One, Akib Talib. This guy should be suspended for a year. I said eight games yesterday on uh, Schuling's podcast. Until he show. confessed to the crime. I mean, and then he conf- – I mean, before I knew that he could – not only confessed, he, everything we thought went through his mind, he admitted. The fact that he knew that he was like at the three-yard line, it was going to be a one-and-a-half-yard penalty when he took uh, the face mask and almost ripped it off a guy's head. Who was the receiver on that point? I don't even remember. I don't remember. But – how does this guy not get suspended? Really, I'm, I'm not even kidding. He should be suspended for half a season for not only what he did, but for admitting he did it on purpose. He could have broken the guy's neck and no remorse, and in fact said, well, my penalty was going to be a yard and a half, so why wouldn't I do it? Uh, and he's been a guy, Tlaib has led the league in personal fouls or has been in the top three something like three the last four years or four or five. I mean, I heard that stat a few months ago during the regular season. He's just he's constantly flagged for personal fouls. And uh, other than Brendan Browner, uh, the number two uh, corner flagged for uh, defensive pass interference as well. So this is a guy with real – I mean, I wouldn't even say benefit of the doubt because – doesn't even matter. He admitted that he he did it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, so there's not, it's not really benefit of the doubt, but it's just you have to factor in the history here. Just the way Namakin Sue would get dinged a little harder, just as a repeat offender. Uh, we haven't seen anything quite like this from Talib, but the guy has a reputation. I've never seen anyone. I mean, how many times have we seen a pitcher throw it at a hitter, and we everybody in the world knows that he did it on purpose because for whatever reason he showed the pitcher up, or we and everybody in the world knows and admits and agrees that that pitcher threw at the hitter. The only person who will not come clean on it is the pitcher. Pitcher will never say, you know, maybe when he retires, but when there's still pending suspension possible, they never say, oh, yeah, I plunked him because of what he did. That got never away. happens. Got away. Yeah, it got away from me. That one got away from me. Tlaib, I, I don't know. It, it, seriously, you, get, you suspend this guy. And the Players Association, they really care about the players. They shouldn't even... They shouldn't even fight it because what he did, he could have killed a guy with that penalty. I was shocked he didn't do something to get himself thrown out of the game in the second half. I guess Wade Phillips was on Coward Show just saying that they gave him Xanax? A, a ver- <laughs> maybe that too, a verbal lashing of some sort. Oh, I didn't hear that really. In the locker room, just saying like, "Look, we're not going to lose because of you." So like, one more, you know, fuck up and you're out. One other so, thing about I mean, the Super Bowl disaster. I want to talk about before we get to the, your party. Is I think we might have a disagreement on this based on what we uh, the Facebook conversation or Twitter I don't know where I read what your opinion is, but I had no problem and once again I had no problem with Cam Newton what he did in that post game press conference and that was before I found out that there was like a tissue paper uh, thick curtain between his press conference and one of the Denver cornerbacks celebrating the guy the in the background you could hear him better than Newton because Newton was mumbling yeah right <laughs> you know, yeah and I didn't even know that but and this is the point I made yesterday on Schuling's show was that you know what all we all want these guys to live and die with wins and losses like we do and they don't you're friends with a professional athlete and he tells you stories about you know he know he, these guys look they it's depressing care. when you yeah. find when out. When you find out, when you look behind the curtain, you see the, the Wizard of Oz. What, what, these players are, don't care as much as some of the fans. 
Not only winning. that, for the most part, they hate fans. And hate fans. But they don't care much about winning and losing. You had a guy who legitimately was absolutely crushed by that loss in Cam Newton. And that's, that's what I would want. If I ever had a team that got to the Super Bowl and my star quarterback shit the bed, played horrible, made some decisions that you can't even fathom, not diving for that ball late in the fourth quarter, I wouldn't want him out there acting any other way but completely despondent. I've told the story to you many times. When the Red Wings lost Game 7, I didn't go out against the Penguins in 2009. I didn't leave my house for three days. If I actually, 10 minutes after that game, had to go up, and I'm a fan, okay? I had to go up and answer the questions of Answer Khan and Helene St. Scarf and <laughs> Ted Colfan, and they had to hear their stupid questions, talk about how it feels to lose in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, I would have killed somebody. And I'm a fan. I'm not on the ice playing. I'm not a football player. So I have no problem with what Cam Newton did. Uh, he should have acted like that. They shouldn't even make these fucking guys do that, go through that song and dance. You know, it, oh, it's classy that they how you take... No. The, it was the biggest moment of his life, his career, and he's lost. You never guarantee that you're going to get back to that point. I have no problem with him being completely dejected and barely audible. I don't, I don't even know where to begin with you. I mean, you're wrong on so many different levels, and you're taking the argument to a place that it has no business being. You saying, I want my player to be despondent, no one said he can't be despondent. That's not the complaint. The complaint that I've seen overwhelmingly, and it's the only complaint I have, and I'm speaking for myself, obviously, is the storming off. I mean, that is the issue. Sure, the short answers weren't ideal, but you got to sit there and take it. You want to talk about why? Oh, why? Why should be, you have to sit there you, and take it? No, and not to he, mention, there's a guy bragging about on, uh, right next to him about how they shut him down, they knocked him out. F- well, fuck that. Get up and leave. I have no problem with that. You, you, you are, of all people, you of all people, bagging on Prince Fielder. I'm going home to my kids. I don't care about this. This isn't going to bother okay. me in 48 hours. Yeah, okay. You know what? For there's, again, I don't know how many times I have to break this into different pieces to make you understand, but I'll do the best I can to make this obvious for you. I made this point repeatedly on the DSR Facebook page as well. There's a difference between a quarterback of a team and anybody on a baseball team. Oh, please. Cam Newton is the de facto CEO of that football team. He is the face by his own choice, not just by nature of his position. This is a guy who loved him some cameras for two weeks leading up to that game and cared nothing more than dabbing in front of the cameras, and it's so easy to do that. Who cares? cares? I'm not outraged by it, but it's not a good look. It that's, is a good look. That's, that's no, exactly, it's not a good look. That is a good look. That's I'm, exactly, not, I'm not outraged that's by exactly it. That's exactly how I'd want my who, athletes to respond. That's Not great. Justin good Verlander for, okay. two days later Again, tweeting quarterback, how he's – different. And, and, di- and I'm not – you're, you're going to the please. other – It's not you're, that different. You're going to the other extreme. You're, you're, this he's is, the MVP This is a straw man argument. You think next year's teammates aren't going to respect him? You do him? realize there's a difference between what Cam Newton did – and what those guys did, and that there's a huge gap between. They're at two opposite ends of the spectrum. A guy that's not standing up and taking questions when he's loved the camera for two weeks and really the entire season. There, there's a huge middle ground there. You're at two opposite ends, of the, and you're arguing because 
one is really bad, the other extreme is therefore better. I, I think they're both bad. I don't think one's necessarily worse than the other. I think they're both bad in a different way. Well, I'd much rather what Get, Cam Newton did. Oh, so you're telling me Russell Wilson, who directly led to the loss one year ago, who stood Russell and took Wilson's every question? Russell Wilson's a dipshit who thinks that God caused what does him that to have lose. To, what does that He's have to do with anything? He's a delusional human being. He's a delusional human okay, being uh, who convinced himself what does kid that belief in God, God have to do with that this God, has nothing to do with yes, anything. Yes, it does. As, what, is, what is his belief in God? Or because, your lack of belief in God have anything to do his, with their reaction in a press his, conference? Because his belief in God led him to completely absolve what occurred, so it was very easy for him to go okay. and speak at the press conference right. and just blame everything on God. Okay, one year earlier, Peyton Manning gets blown out by Seattle in an embarrassing performance in a game that was over in five minutes. How about you talk about Why did Cam he Newton went up there? to Peyton Manning okay. and congratulated him that's, after the game? That's great. It was classy. So, th- I will always say this, and then we'll go on to one last Super Bowl topic. There is no reason that losing players should have to face the, the microphones in the that quarterback situation should. after a Super Bowl. The quarterback right, should. Well, and the quarterback, the and quarterback who just should. won the MVP, so you're telling let him me do a Super Bowl. Keith Appling loses the Connecticut game to go to the Final Four. He's graduating. He's done. He's the first Izzo four-year player to not go to a Final Four. He sat in his chair in that locker room with a towel draped over his head. He was so dejected. He was destroyed. He, took, he, he blamed himself, rightfully so. He felt awful about himself. And, yeah, he had a towel over his face, but he sat there until every question was answered, and he did the best he could, and that's a kid in college. Great for Keith Applin. Yeah, Keith Applin, who's not necessarily uh, an iron-clad steel I've seen too many athletes in my 43 years on the planet. Keep keep going to the other extreme. uh, Of not caring. They're both bad. That's not the argument. It's not both bad. One isn't bad. bad. One's great. There's a huge middle ground that you're just acting like it doesn't exist. There's only two options. You're You're either rude and don't answer questions. Questions and lack accountability, or you don't care lack at all. Like, don't, like, there's no third accountability. option. Here. He's going to hear about losing that Super Bowl for the rest of his life. He'll be plenty accountable. Okay. Last topic. Yeah, you invite no, me no and my wife. You invite me and my wife to your uh, parents' house, about an 85 square foot house on the edge of Cranbrook. There, beautiful house. You got a home theater in the basement, uh, sound system, beautiful setup. Ordered tons of food from Hungry Howie's and some other. Uh, ribs and things, a beautiful setup. And uh, you want to explain what occurred? Why should I tell the story? I didn't even realize this was going on. I found out about this after the fact. I, I, you want me to tell your story? I didn't experience <sighs> I'm it. Sitting, I was in the room, but I didn't so experience it. So my wife goes to the uh, to your house to watch the Super Bowl. Had a nice, chat, house, had a nice chat with my eight-and-a-half-month pregnant wife yeah, before was, the game. That's very nice that they're becoming friends. That's yeah, a very like that. positive thing. It's good development. I'm sitting next to my wife on the couch uh, watching the game, and I start getting text messages from her, which I thought was quite <laughs> odd. Why was my wife texting me when she was sitting literally <laughs> three inches from me? <laughs> Asking me if I had gas. <laughs> so, so she says to me, do you have gas? So oh, I, I say, yes. I, I filled up yesterday because what? I thought she meant, did I have gas to get home from your house, your dad's house? <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking about. And I go, yeah. She goes, you're fucking sick. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm sick. I, I have gas. I filled up. She goes, no, someone is stinking this room up and we need to leave. 
This is like the second quarter, so maybe the third. I don't know. Can you, can you imagine what excuse would you make up? I mean, you, could could you really just stand up and say, "What do you guys have to stop dropping bobs?" Or I'm out of here. So I said to her, "You've known me since 2000. Have I ever had gas in front of you in a public place ever? Like, would you?" She goes, no, but <laughs> someone's killing me here. I don't know what's going on. I love that it's on. not just like, did you fart? Like, do you have gas? Like, it just implied that there's a perpetual, like, <laughs> just <laughs> farting going so then on I, here. then, like, I wasn't paying attention. Then I, it became very noticeable. Uh, it, and there's only two people who were suspects because there's only two people who are relatively close to us. <laughs> One would be Anthony Dinsmore <laughs> and the other is Contis. I, I, I'm, I'm, I got my money on one of them. Do yeah, you have any it's about one to twenty that it was Dinsmore. I, I don't think there's any. I don't think it was Contest because just the way that angle was. And I just got an. I just got a text message from George. It wasn't me. I swear. I believe you, barrister. I, I completely believe that it wasn't you, Dinsmore. Come on, Dinsmore. What are you, you defiled my wife. Get, where's where's How the long? Paul Giamatti clip from this from private parts? You defiled my wife. She wanted to leave. She's texting me. We gotta go. How, That's how, how bad long, it was. How long was like the the was it just in perpetuity for the entire game? Like, or was no, it, it was like I, I guess it was like the third quarter, fourth quarter. But like it, it was just it it was noxious fumes, <laughs> and it, it was just. Bad, you know. You got a beautiful layout there, spread, and everything was great. And then Dinsmore, I just, I don't know what he ate, but maybe we get him on next week and we can ask him. But you gotta, you gotta leave the room, man. I, yeah, you gotta I, go home. I mean, if, leave it, the if, room. if it's going on that long, you gotta wonder if one of those was a wet fart. I mean, I, I hate to be gross, but <laughs> I mean, you hate to be I, gross. I, I mean, at what, at what point? I mean. Uh, this is some Drew Lane radio, but I, I was just shocked to hear that. But it was funny because I asked Lynn about it after, and she said there were two different points where she smelled something. Oh, really? But she was holding our little rat dog, Chihuahua, so she figured it was the dog passing gas. Oh, could so, it have been the dog maybe? No. No. Because okay. they weren't in there. They were only in there for a few minutes. Um <sighs> All right. Well, we'll so. try to get to the bottom of this. Maybe we'll have to when we do the uh, lie detector show. We'll have to get Dinsmore, get Dinsmore in. in here. I, I would love him if he just owned it. I mean, at this yeah, point, he got his own. He's the only suspect. Yeah, because really you guys is. were smelling it before the dogs were even like downstairs. Good point. So, all right. Well, that was the Super Bowl wrap up from the DSR. When we come back, you people have been waiting for this since uh, what Friday when we announced it. The Drew Sharp and. Terry Foster prank calls by the Howard Stern Whack Pack member, Sour Shoes. We're going to actually give a little back history and maybe uh, take one. We're going we're gonna to come back. we got a couple things we got to play for you before that. But uh, don't go away. And coming up later in the show, who's, who's your guest? you got a guest coming on. Yeah, we're having a girl named Beth Ann Hamilton. She's a senior at Michigan State. And more importantly for our purposes is the president of the Sexual Assault Crisis Intervention Program, uh, which is a sort of fancy long term for the program at Michigan State that deals with uh, sexual violence and uh, advocacy for victims and really uh, has some strong opinions on this Mitch Album thing from last week. We tried to get right. her on last week. Uh, it didn't work. Happy to have her on um, in the 6 o'clock hour. So. Okay, so we'll have the uh, prank calls by Sauer. We'll have her on. Might give away some Red Wing tickets if we have some time later with some call-ins. So we got a full pack show. We're going to take one, play one song here, and then we'll be back with more. Thanks for joining us tonight. 
I said open up! Isn't it a little late for you? This is an emergency. May we come in? I'm not really dressed. It's okay. We're police officers. This is a previously recorded episode. Back on the DSR podcast, February 9th. Uh, before we get into some of the uh, prank phone calls and the history of that, uh, I'm driving here to the studio in Ferndale, and I click on while well, I'm at a light to see um, the Facebook page, what's going on in the forums. And there was something about I, I, Bill Simmons, who I cannot listen to his podcast. I don't know how you listen to those or read his articles when he was writing anymore, even though he you don't was like his voice. He was the reason basically that DSR even exists. But now I cannot stand anything that, that has to do with him. Don't want any part of his HBO show, his podcast, whatever. Uh, but what what did he say um, that got you all riled up? He was on a podcast last week. I can't remember which one. And yes, I'm an avid listener of these things unless Michael Rappaport is on. And he was talking about the intro to his podcast, the theme that he secured the rights for was Picture Me Rolling by Tupac. Which, you know, we're not going to break down the lyrics in detail, but basically it's it's a song uh, where a guy is basically giving the middle finger to somebody back home and I want you to picture me rolling, you know, down in my convertible and looking cool while you're pissed off back home, basically. So Simmons wanted this song to be the theme for his podcast, not only because he loves Tupac and thinks he has a connection with them spiritually. Oh, God. But because the whole idea was, you know, hey, ESPN, picture me rolling out here, uh, you know, in California and doing my own thing and with a blank check and all that fun stuff. So, I, you know, th- that's why he wanted it. But the comment he made on the podcast last week was that Tupac would have been very happy that Simmons chose his song for the podcast and would have been honored that – his song was I wish, I wish I would have known about I wish, wish we could have got the auto. Maybe we, we can get it at some point. Oh, it's, all, it's still up. Yeah. Maybe we can get it and play it later in the show or something because that is the most embarrassing thing. Is there a whiter human being in the world than Bill Simmons, a guy who went to like private schools, a guy who's a Boston fan who's not even from Boston. Where is he from like uh, Connecticut somewhere? He wasn't even – he didn't, yeah. didn't even grow up in Boston. Uh, by far, by the way, Boston, they're like the most racist city in America. Uh the basketball team is known as basically a white team for years <laughs> I when I was growing he's, up. He's very social. He's not racist. No, and he's not racist. I'm not yeah. saying he's racist. No, but I Tupac know, but wants any just, association. Well, please. that's true. No, that's, what, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, no, you're right. You're right. It's, a, it's an absolute joke. But uh, if we keep knocking down Bill Simmons, maybe the IT and the D uh, podcast will get to number one because I think it was like last week it was like number four or something on SoundCloud. And I think Simmons was like one, two, and three. So maybe we expose this guy for the fraud that he is. We might be in the studio. That would be great. I'm cool we'll get him up to, yeah, we'll get number one. Up. Be the number one. Yeah. I mean, not us, but we'll no, be, not us. We'll be sharing, not us. We'll be sharing a not studio work. with. Network. Yeah. Oh, well, so, yeah. We'll be I on think the we, number one podcast network in the country. I think, so, yeah, knock him out. Yeah, I think yeah. Bob and Dave, we, we need to start a war against These Simmons. comments do not reflect IT and the D's opinions. Yeah. <laughs> I, IT and the D versus the Bill Simmons podcast. I, I don't know who I got. I think that's a pretty <laughs> pretty toss in, in a national poll. <laughs> <laughs> it's close. It's tough to pick against those uh, IT and the D guys, but I don't know. All right. So, anyway, let's get to the uh, reason everyone tuned in tonight, and that is – I'm done talking about the Super Bowl. The prank phone call <laughs> that uh, oh, okay. that we 
commissioned from Sour Shoes. This this time we picked Drew Sharp and Terry Foster, and we'll get that into a second. But let's give a little background. Back in July of 2015, last year, I had the idea of engaging Sour Shoes. Uh, Michael DeCampo is his real name. He's a um, impersonator, genius. He appears on the Howard Stern Show. He's really a caller, but uh, he's gotten to the point now where he's almost a nationally known entity based on the voices that he does. And the reason I wanted to get him involved in the DSR is because two of the voices that he does are sports radio personalities, one being Mad Dog Russo, who is on the MLB, and he's got his own station on Sirius XM. And the other is a guy named Scotty Farrell, who we'll get to in a few moments. But if you are new to the DSR podcast, since we've been broadcasting here over the last three or four months from Podcast Detroit, you might not have heard the prank calls that uh, Sauer did of one Anthony Fennick, the Detroit Free Press baseball writer, and Lynn Henning, the uh, Detroit News, Detroit Tigers baseball writer. So we engaged Sauer to prank them under the auspices that they were going to be talking to Russo on his MLB radio show. And... <laughs> I'm not. I'm only going to play you a few highlights of those, just a, just a couple minutes, just to give you a little idea of what Sauer pulled back then, just in c- case you weren't familiar with it. What we did was he Sauer interviewed him for Henning for like 20 minutes, Fenning I think Fennick for like 10 or 12, and the first seven or eight questions were all legitimate questions, and then we went into the DSR related bombing of both Fennick and Henning. We'll start with Fennick. This is a, a 20 sec 20 second clip where. Sour Shoes, as Mad Dog Russo, asked Fennec about his drunk driving arrest a few years back downriver. This is the 20-second clip. Also reading that you once drunkly ran your car into another, into a PT Cruiser, is that correct, and flipped it over. I mean, how do you flip over, Anthony? How do you flip over a PT Cruiser? Is that, is that correct? That was, uh, that was a long time ago. That was many moons ago. It was, uh, it was a bad choice of judgment, let's put it that way. A little thirsty. I understand we all have those moments. Uh- yeah, a little thirsty, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Fennec. Uh, he goes on to ask a question about a alleged incident back at Central Michigan when Fennec was going to school there, and he was working on the newspaper CM Life, and he sexually harassed a co-worker at that newspaper, and... <laughs> We had Sauer ask Fennec about that as well. That is the 39-second clip. Okay. I used to get all kinds of weary and bleary, you know, over, over, and do a lot of crazy things, but not nothing quite like that. But I understand. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah. I, got, I, I had a few too many, and then just drove home, and then just fucking, yeah. Now, that's a terrible job, but listen, if, you, if you've, got, you've gotten help, you've gotten your life in order, I mean, that's, it's good to hear, it's good to know. Is it true you sexually harassed a co-worker? Oh, brother. So, and this is going to be a constant theme tonight uh, when we get to the Sharp and Foster prank calls. Like, why, Spiro, would you stay on the line? Why would uh, anyone, even as dumb and dense as Anthony Fennec, think that (laughs) 
Mad Dog Russo on his national radio show <laughs> would care about him crashing a PT cruiser or sexually harassing a fellow co-worker <laughs> at CM Life. I mean, Seriously, like, how do up. you flip those things over, he, honestly? Uh, have you met Anthony Fennec? No. 0.23 blood alcohol level? Oh, that would do it. All right, so... I just don't get it. But uh, any comment at this point about these old rehashing these old tapes? I'll, I mean, I like the new ones. Uh, that, I mean, that's still my favorite. It's tough to beat, Fanny. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that when we get done with the uh, Foster one. And then there's a 16 second clip where uh, Mad Dog Sour asks if <laughs> Fennec is on the straight and narrow now. Straight and narrow. And, uh, you know, gun to your head if you're ever put in that situation again. <laughs> I mean, are you gonna are you gonna make the right choice, or are you gonna fall into your demons and your traps of the past? I make I, I make uh, I make good choices nowadays. Fantastic, Anthony. Anthony, thank you so much for hopping on with us. Like this interrogation that <laughs> fake Mad Dog is putting this guy under. You know, I can I could see like believing that the guy might have heard some funny anecdote or story and making a you know off off the cuff remark. I get that. I mean, that would be believable, but. The guy's grilling him about, you know, okay, what did you what did you learn? Like, I just, it, I don't want to see you in my office again, young man. Like, it, it's just, I feel like it's it's like Principal Skinner talking to Bart Simpson. The the funny thing, and we didn't find out this until a few weeks ago, and I really didn't get confirmation from another source until recently. But uh, when we had Sour on the program a couple months ago, or whenever that was, um, to do his imitations. He told us, Sauer, that Russo was mad at him about these pranks. It got back to him. And then I found out from someone else, um, it sounds like that when they – the next week – you remember the – so a week after this call, these call, this call where, Matt, or where Sauer bombs him about the DUI and the sexual harassment, they actually called <laughs> – Did I interrupt you? Really? Yeah, go on. Dinsmore has confessed. <laughs> we have a confession. We have a written confession. Not even a Brandon Dassey confession, like an actual one. He, he, he says of his farting at the Super Bowl party, I'll own up to it, silent but deadly. Didn't think it was going to be that bad. My sincerest apologies to everyone in the room. He needs he needs at least a 10-day break in the dark. <laughs> he just got back from a week suspension. Oh, my God. For well, posting he's go- false information well, about the election. He's going back on a break. <laughs> so we'll get, we might get that to the – maybe we'll have him on the, at the last few mil- the, the moments of the show. The dogs and contests are off the hook. But anyway, so we found out that, um, that um, Russo was mad at Sauer. And then a week later, after this, they actually had Fennec on the sh- on, on the station. Oh, really? And they called. I think. I think and now I'm finding out it was like a pity fuck, where they felt bad <laughs> that he like went through all of this. So they were like, "All right, we'll throw you a bone. We'll have you on." Which I still to this day can't imagine like getting that call that they want you to be on and not thinking it's just me and Spiro again fucking with them. But <laughs> now, so. <laughs> We're, we're getting closer, people. I know you're at the edge of your seat waiting for the Sharp and Foster, the new ones. But I want to play – before we do that, we're going to take one more break before we get to that. But I want to play uh, the pranks of Lynn Henning with Mad Dog asking Lynn Henning about his prediction that Jabba Chamberlain was going to get, what, a four-year, $50 million contract as a free agent after last season. So here's a minute and one <laughs> clip of Sauer uh, – Pranking Lynn Henning. Before we head out, I, I was doing some prep for this interview, Lynn, and I found this article stating that you said Jabba 
Chamberlain was going to get a $50 million contract this year. Man, can you get thought? Some, some, some Twitter idiot. Twitter um, idiot. Decided <laughs> to take that whole thing out of context. What I did is, is back in June of last season. Right. They, they were, I was looking at the numbers at that point, and you could see that if he held what he had done through the first third of the season with his track record, he was going to be in position to command something along the lines of a four-year, even a $40 million deal. Right. Say that with, with, the, with the provision that a, a guy like Jabba, who also had a record as a starter, probably be considered at his young age uh, viable in either of those, those particular categories. Okay. Well, guess what? Andrew Miller, in Je- on June 7th of last year, which is when I did that thing, had lesser numbers than Java Chamberlain. Oh, yeah, I know that. Okay, can I tell you why I think that was so funny? I don't know if I mic'd up while these things are being played so you can hear me cracking up in the background. It, it's the no. fact when Henning was bombed by dozens of Twitter accounts, all different people, for the Jabba Chamberlain take. I mean, we called some extra attention to it, to be sure. But I, just, he says, oh, some Twitter idiot said this. It just, it, you saw like the piece where he thinks literally right. every critic of his, of his is, is you. Is me. And we're going to get to that in the second clip. This is the last one we're going to play, and then we're going to go to a break. This is uh, <laughs> uh, Sour Shoes asking Lynn about his prediction in 2005 that the Tigers were going to Take, it's going to take five to ten years for the Tigers to compete in the American League Central. And then ten months later, they were in the World Series. So this is a 43-second clip, uh, and this, is, this will really get to Spiro's point. In 2005, you said the Tigers were about five to ten years away from competing in the, in the, in the Central. But they got to the World Series the next season. So would you want to publicly apologize? I didn't say that. I said they, they – again, you're, 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 you've got the same Twitter troll – Who's, who loves to dredge up stuff and never present it in context. Is it that Jeffrey Boss? Was, pardon? Is it that Jeffrey I don't, know Boss what, what, I don't know what their names are. He loves to give you a hard time. I, I know that. He gives me, feeds me a lot of this, this information for my show, and I said, is this possible? Here's someone right all, all over the Detroit News, a great man like Lynn Henning, and he's, he's saying... We got saboteurs. They're, they're Twitter saboteurs. Saboteurs. Everywhere, but Detroit, Detroit has got more than its share. <laughs> Twitter saboteurs, which I demanded go right to your Twitter profile. Yeah, and, and it did. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing better than than uh, Twitter saboteurs. <laughs> the, Sour is saying, I mean, Henning in the previous clip basically just says references me without saying my name. Then Sour says Jeff Moss twice. And I don't know who you're talking about, but what are you sabotaging exactly? His career. I mean, harassment, maybe. I can't get down with that, but I don't get what you're sabotaging. So that's that's how good Sour Shoes is as Mad Dog. When we come back from the break, you are going to hear his Scotty Farrell impression and how he catfished both Drew Sharp and Terry Foster. You're not going to want to miss this. We'll be back in a moment. Like the pine trees lining the winding road I've got a name I've got a name Like a singing bird in the croaking toad I've got a name I've got a name And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream 
that he kept here Rolling me down the highway Rolling me down the highway Moving ahead so life won't pass me by Like a north wind whistling down the sky I've got a song I've got a song Like a whirlpool and the babies cry I've got a song I've got a song And I carry it with me and I sing it loud If it gets me nowhere They're proud Moving me down the highway Moving me down the highway Moving it as a lot Thank you, Dead Jim Croce, for that uh, musical interlude. We're back on the DSR podcast, and we're going to get right to it. So, like I said, I had this idea back in July to get Russo to prank Henning and Fennec. At the same time, I really wanted to get... Uh, Terry Foster, and then later I wanted to get Drew Sharp, but we had to wait a long period of time because everyone in the Detroit media knew what we did to the two Detroit uh, paper baseball writers. And my idea was to get Sauer to prank them, not as Russo, but as another voice, and that is Scotty Farrell. If you aren't familiar with Scotty Farrell, when WDFN first started in the mid-'90s, Farrell had the nighttime show, the National Night, Night Program, um, he's been uh, a national figure for 20-some years. But some of the younger audience, I don't think they're really familiar with him. I don't think you had ever heard of him, Spiro, right? You never heard his voice? Nope. No. So, you know, old guys like me, we kind of grew up with Scotty Farrell. So if you aren't familiar with his voice, before we hear Sour pranking Sharp and Foster, uh, we're going to go into uh, – a little clip, so you just get a kind of a baseline of what Scotty Farrell sounds like. A lot 
of people say Pharrell, your voice is painful and they say it's irritating, acidic loud, obnoxious, annoying I've heard all that but the bottom line is I've made a career out of this voice in radio and television for the last 27 years and if I lost my voice I'd lose everything my career would be finished that's why I needed disability insurance that's why I need Big Daddy to take care of me I'm no different than a pro athlete he blows out his knee he tears his rotator I mean those are the kind of injuries that ruin a guy's life but when they're taking there's uh, Scotty Farrell now just to keep in mind Spiro had never heard of him before so when I was pulling that clip up to, before when we were doing show prep Spiro actually thought that was like literally you thought, thought it was I thought, sour. You, I thought it was the sour audio so here's what the opening that I got last week when I figured this is our best opportunity to nail Sharp and Foster. For Super Bowl week, Pharrell was doing a CBS radio program from the D Las Vegas in, the, in downtown Las Vegas. Of course, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that the D Las Vegas has a connection to Detroit, and they're really close with 97.1. Terry Foster and Valente do their show from there. They are big-time sponsor. So I figured this is – if we're ever going to be able to get these two, Spiro, I figured this was it. This was our opening. I mean, uh, he even – can I spoil part of it? Yeah. He played music in the background. Yeah, that, that's – I mean, he, yeah. he, he was – he was like not just music. I think it will come through when we play it. It sounded almost like some form of crowd noise going yeah, on. Like, right. Well, he had, how many speakers did he have going in see, the background? For, for, Pharrell's show. <laughs> yeah. It Pharrell, sounded like a live remote. Well, yeah. Pharrell's show. doing it in his basement. <laughs> the guy's doing it in his parents' house. He's like 44 years old and he lives in his parents' house still. He's doing it out of there. But Pharrell's show was – this was his gimmick that while he was talking, he would play like heavy metal music in the background. That was like this whole show. There was a bed of music underneath what he was talking about. So he'd be playing Metallica or Tool or Megadeth. So to be as legitimate as possible, <laughs> Sauer played hard rock music while he was interviewing Foster <laughs> and Sharp. So we're going to start off with Sharp. This is going to be a minute and 45 clip, and it includes Sauer doing the voice of some producer for Pharrell. So you can hear uh, him hooking... Uh, sharp into the whole entire catfish. So this is a minute 45 clip, uh, and Jessica's going to play that. Thanks. It's Fred from the Scott Farrell Show. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. How you doing tonight? Good, good. Uh, I hope you don't mind us uh, chiming in. Uh, Derek Stevens, the owner of the casino, uh, uh, thought you'd be primed. We thought we could get you on just for, pop you on just for a little while with Scott. Would that be okay, Scott Farrell? Okay, yeah, I'm at a test game right now. Uh, uh, yeah, for a couple minutes I can do it. Yeah, it'll be fast. It'll be fast. Let me just uh, bring your pod up here, and we're gonna it's gonna be a hard count, and then you're gonna be right on with uh, Scott. He's in the studio. Yeah. Is he online? Or? Yeah, he's online. All right, so I was just uh, bestowing your accolades uh, uh, from the Detroit Free Press. Drew Sharp joining us now on the Pharrell Show. Drew. Sorry about that. We're having a bad connection. We're out. This casino is maddening, dude. <laughs> it, it says we're raging out here. I mean, the last time I was out in Vegas, I was in Mandalay Gay, and I was stoked out of my mind. I was drinking tequila shots and uh, Dr. Pepper, and I had a bucket of KFC chicken, and I could drink the ocean. I mean, that, when you eat that Kentucky Fried Chicken, I don't care what you eat it with, the extra crispy of the grill... 
you could drink the whole Pacific Ocean. I was so thirsty. I ended up uh, back, I remember Artie Lang was out with me, and we ended up back in, in his room with like nine different strippers and like two guys that looked it looked uh, familiar to Caitlyn Jenner before the operation, so I know what it's like to have a good time out here, but how are you? <laughs> so, that was like a, that was like a Sherp minute. said I only have a couple minutes. <laughs> you know, there's a two-minute intro. There's a two-minute thing about Mandalay Gay, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and strippers in Artie Lang's room. Like, how at that point don't you bail? I mean, you're, you've already given an excuse. You've only got a couple minutes because the Piston-Knicks game's starting. And... You, you listen to that for, and the best is like sharp. So how are you doing? I'm fine. Like that was it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now, <laughs> just to give you a taste, he tells him his life story. That says anyway. How are you? <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So now we're gonna play a couple more pl- clips until we get before we get to the dagger. This is a minute and three clip where uh, <laughs> Sauer starts going into a recitation about the old TV show Coach. Uh, you do you remember the show Coach? It was I about the no. Coach. Yeah, remember the University of Minnesota State football Minnesota State football team was a fictional school with the guy from who was the actor in that show? Uh, I don't remember. No, his look name. at me. I don't even know the uh, show. Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson oh, played a coach yeah. named Hayden Fox. And uh, so <laughs> so listen to to a sour uh, go into this with uh, Drew. Situation but Let's, fa- let's, all fa- let's face it. I mean, the record could have even have been better. If it was possible, it could have been better. It could have been better. That game was maddening. The Minnesota game where maddening. Uh, if, if Coach if Tracy Clayton could have a brain fart right there in the fourth quarter there on that last possession, I, I thought, all balances out. I, I thought Coach for Minnesota and Dobler, remember that show Coach on ABC? Yeah. I, I thought Coach and Dobler were in on something. I, I mean, I thought I was dreaming. <laughs> I thought I was, I was, I was flashing back to college when, uh, when I was doing quaaludes and goofballs and, and mesk, and I was seeing like Jerry Van Dyke in my sleep, like telling me to gap read down and, and pull the tight end. You know, I was, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And uh, my buddy at the Stern Show, John Hine, was like crying. And the guy, I don't know if you remember. The guy the camera was on at the end of that game looked just yeah. like John Hine. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that, was a, that was a wild game, wild finish. What he's saying there in that clip is the guy who did the crying after the Michigan State game, the yeah. famous crying guy. Yeah, yeah. He's saying that guy looked like John Hine from the Howard Stern show. But why would, once why again, sharp like care. I, once again, Mandalay Gay, the strippers, the. <laughs> I mean everything we do. How are you? you? You've already you're on a you're on a tight timeline here, and you're still on the phone. I love that he just tells him too, like, yeah, I'm in Vegas. I'm getting drunk every day. Like, just I'm tells about his drug history. And talk, I'm, I'm Dr. A, Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Oh. I'm on a total rager right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a mess. Uh, unbelievable. How many different drugs that he mentioned. All right, one yeah. last clip before we get to the uh, money shot. This is this is classic where sour. Somehow compares the sexuality of Martha Ford to former Los Angeles Rams owner Georgia Frontier. Uh, I really can't give any more of an um, opening than that to this. This is a minute 21 clip. Sauer talking about the Lions, Bob Quinn, and the owner of the team, 90-year-old owner of the team. We talked about Bob Quinn and uh, keeping Jim Caldwell. Your thoughts about that? 
Was she was Sauer there insinuating that Jim Caldwell and Martha Ford are having a tour <laughs> affair? That's what I, that's what I Is that know. what we're supposed to read between the lines? All right, so that's the uh, that's that's all the build up where you know Sauer as Scotty Farrell convinced Sharp that he was on with a legitimate person. So here's the bomb. Of course, we had Drew Sharp on the line. What are we going to ask him? Uh, probably about his plagiarism scandal. Here is uh, the jig being up, 30-second clip with Sauer asking Drew Sharp about the David Harns plagiarism scandal. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about is uh, I've, been reading, I've been reading an awful announcing and the big lead that you plagiarized the work of a blogger, David Harns. Now, what's going on with that? This guy has been all over your ass, David Harns. I need a little dick bag. Drew. Lose my number. Bye. Drew. Drew. Hello. He, he calls him dick bag, and Sour just goes, Drill! Drill! No, there's Come on, no drill. pause. Like, like, this, is, this is the greatest thing ever, okay? Dick bag. First of all, he calls, him the, he calls him a dick bag. After saying, I needed a laugh, because Sharp's initial reaction to realizing that he was being fucked with was just to play it off like he always does. Oh, nothing bothers me. Then I think he got, like, he realized how irate he was. And we saw Drew Sharp do something he very rarely, if ever, does, and that's show or display that something got to him. The fact that he called him a dick bag and then told him to lose his number, this is the same guy when I was outside Comerica Park bombing him on video when I was driving by, and he was late for that press conference, um, the season-ending Dombrowski press conference last fall. He didn't say anything. You know, oh, you know, he was just acting like it didn't bother him at all. This obviously got to him. And to me, it's the first time I've ever seen Sharp respond in that fashion to all of you know the, the heat he's taken. Yeah, really, you kind of went through the back door of his head there to get in there. But you got there. And, and, and it's really, I think from his perspective, there's something that's just more 
violating maybe is the word. You know, there's something just more intrusive about being fucked with the way you did fuck with him on this. You know, it, it's one thing if someone bombs them in a Facebook comment or even you drive by harassing them outside of Comerica Park and saying what you said. That video is on YouTube. You know, I, I think he can deal with that. But I think it was, you know, you didn't even play all the audio. I mean, that was, what, a, a nine-minute? Uh, it was a nine-minute call. I just edited uh, it down because – And, and, and I'm, so I'm, yeah. I'm just making the point. Like, right. This guy's sitting on the, on the line for nine minutes, and I just – I think, like I said, it, there was just a sense of intrusion and, and violation there, and I think that's why it really bothered him. And I'm wondering – Drow. And I'm really wondering if he knew that he wasn't talking – when he hung up, if it wasn't Pharrell. I don't – that's the thing. I don't think these guys. When you'll hear, you'll hear Foster in a second, but Fennick never knew. Henning didn't know. Henning was on the line for twenty minutes, and until at the end of that one, which is the only one where Sauer kind of lost it at the end, he started doing crazy Alice voices and other Stern Show whack pack members, <laughs> where it was just completely obvious that he wasn't talking to Mad Dog at that point. But he had him on for twenty minutes, and it's like I, I, you almost wonder if he th- if Sharp thought that I put the real Scotty Farrell up to doing this, and he was on the air. I mean, the voice I'd love so to know good. what was going through his head. I just think, it, it, again, he, he calls him a dick bag, and fake Farrell goes, drow, and then he goes, lose this number. Drow. <laughs> drow. <laughs> just, like the, drow. It's the real guy. Like The guy called you a dick bag and told you to lose his number. <laughs> drow. Come on, drow. My Don't thing, be like that, drow. My, my other favorite line was when he called uh, – Frontieri, a hot box of rocks. That was that was that was awesome. Now the, the entire nine minute clip will be on the website uh, later tonight. So if you want to hear the whole thing, there's a, I mean there's just other brilliance in it. But you know I some of it was just kind of like inside baseball. And I figured we you know I was outvoted and everyone said you should just play a few clips. Now the vote on what we should do with the Terry Foster prank was the exact opposite. This is to me. I know we had an argument uh, about this. Because I was, I, I did, I was hyperbolic. I, because when I first heard it, I mean, I was dying laughing. When I first heard this upcoming, this seven and a half minute clip or whatever it is, my sides were hurting. I, I don't remember the last time I, this is so fucking funny on so many levels. Um, I, I put it up there with the Fennec thing, and we're going to have to play the whole thing. It's, it's tremendous. I'll explain why I like Fennec more after. Okay. We're going to play the whole thing. We're, we'll probably pause it at some point just to have some commentary, but we're going to play the whole 7-minute and 45-second se- clip. This is Sauer as Scotty Farrell getting T-Foss, Terry Foster of 97.1 and Oakland University Basketball. Hello. Hey, okay, so Scott's gonna, Scott, Scott's coming in the studio right now, okay? Up okay. Uh, I got your pot up. I got his pot. Oh, he does. Hey, T-Foss, how you been? Pretty good, man. What's going on with you? Not much. Rocking and roll. I'm out here at the D-Las Vegas Casino, just shaking it up, partying. We're going to be there in about six weeks for the tournament. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, are you still, hey, are you still like, I mean, it's an old wives tale, but are you still eating baby food like Sean Shirk? (laughs) No, 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 I'm leaving that alone. I'm, I'm doing the real stuff. I have no idea what Sauer's even referencing there, but obviously Foster did. Talking about baby food, I, I talked to a few people in the biz asking if they know. We'll get to this later, but Sauer did his own research, and I'll, and I'll explain that later. But if anyone knows anything about the baby food reference in relation to Terry Foster, please tweet me or uh, send me an email. 
Megan, or what's going on? You... Nah, you know, just living uh, life normally, having a good time, doing what I feel like doing. Right. But when I feel like doing it, so as long as, long as I'm not messing with anybody or hurt. Harming them, that's what I'm doing. I hear you, man, I hear you. Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it is so smoking out here right now. We're just raging right now, and uh, the casino's hopping. Derek Stevens just runs runs, runs a place we're like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I know, he should. Uh, we always have a good time when we go there. Oh, yeah. Every year. I know. Uh, hey, so the Tigers, man, they had a pretty impressive offseason. I mean, they basically had a fire sale at the end of last year. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, you know, you have, uh, you know, an owner in his 80s that wants to still keep his uh, foot in the game. Right. And uh, I knew something was up when they had a press conference, and uh, he said he was going to be a bad boy. And I'm like, oh, he's going <laughs> to somebody. I didn't know who it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's like I want to wash off when I hear this old man, like, start pulling out the John Sarte and the old Jean Sarte and the Freudianisms. I just, like, want to wash off of him. Like, I just feel like I hate the ass out of a donkey listening to this guy. But you know what? You know what? The guy, you can't, he's got all the merits in the world, and you can't blame him for the frame of mind he's in right now. kind of reminds me of the old jet owner, Leon Hess, it's like, and Al Davis, it's like, win now, baby. So what did you think about the Zimmerman and the Upton signings? Were you all in on that, or did you have a... I, I, you know what, they had no shot at winning a title, and now that they have Upton, I have to say that, you know, they have, uh, you know, a puncher's chance now, so I was all for it, and, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Gillis, you don't care, he doesn't care about paying a huge luxury tax, so right. I was all for it. Yeah. Right. And, I, and of course, with the contracts they let go last season, they did. They, they you know, they had room to spend. Um, and again, in, in, in baseball, I mean, what you hear is one thing about what teams have to spend and what you don't hear. Um, now, as far as the the manager situation goes, are you happy with the decisions they made? No, I'm not. Um, I I don't think it, to me, Brad Ausmus hasn't shown that he's a good manager. Right. Um, I, he's still learning how to handle a bullpen. I don't know if those guys respect him. And, um, you know, I think they're pretty much tolerating him. But Chris Illich, Mike Illich's son, really likes him. I think he convinced the dad this is the way to go. So I don't agree with it, but I guess we'll find out this year. Didn't, uh, what, the one, didn't one of the Illiches run an Arby's out there in, uh, out in Bloomfield Hills or somewhere around there and, like, run into the ground, like, yeah, Hugh Sauce was like was like nine months old and gave like gave like kids like all kinds of uh, West Nile virus. There was all kinds of uh, Zika Zika virus like flowing around in the in the, in the old days. Hugh Sauce that was like in the Arby roast beef and shake it up. It's like the, the stuff was sitting around. I heard like there was a whole brouhaha going on. The guy ran a business into the ground. So it's like you know. You, you, but you know, I'm wondering. You know, when you talk about my, uh, Tiger managers, man. Well, the one who sticks out in my craw was uh, the time when Billy Muffet used to be the pitching coach for, for, for Sparky Anderson. That guy never blinked. That guy just run out to the mound. Like, Petrie and Morris would be like, dude, I'm throwing nine innings. Fuck this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Check it in. I didn't hear about the whole Army thing, but, you know, anything is possible with them. I know they, they've had a couple, you know, a son or two that just hasn't really been into things. And right. Not, not real smart, so. We've got to break this down right now. I'm sorry we have to interrupt this, but let's just think about this for a second, okay? 
in the grand scheme of the, what we're going to get to in a few moments where Sauer asks Foster about his failed businesses, the guy had the audacity, the chutzpah, the nerve to just bomb Mike Illich's kids for their failed business ventures. I mean, where is the and there was some self awareness. Not only that, but there was like I mean, I have to hear it again. Was there some insinuation of the family problems? I mean, I'm not going to say what they are, but right, I'm pretty sure Foster was insinuating that you know there was yeah. some other. I mean, again, I'm not going to say it. Right, it was they, bizarre. So the Illich kids have had some issues. Right, and the funny thing is, is that. Like, Sauer goes on that Arby's thing, that Arby's rant. Then he circles back to a Tigers issue, which he brings up Billy Moffitt, which I forgot he was the pitching coach of the Tigers. I mean, trust me, I didn't tell Sauer it's to— like, why, why, did, why invite Foster on, like, if, you're, if this was, like, a real thing? Like, <laughs> right. Like, just to sit and listen to this. Well, that's how that's... Pharrell is, though. I mean, he's, well, I, okay, he's on well. tangents and rants. But, right. but, I mean, I didn't tell him to mention, like, the pitching coach of the Tigers from 1987— it, this this is guy the guy's just a genius and he's dropping these these bombs. But why does Foster like come back to the he he could have easily let the Arby's thing go about the West Nile vi- virus and the Zika virus? Like he could have just answered the question about the Tigers, but he had to make a point of like saying, yeah, I never heard about that Arby's deal, but yeah, I know some of the kids are like failures. <laughs> and just keep that in mind as we reset this and go go forward on on this audio because this is just unbelievable. Just to me and my, at college out in Pennsylvania, my buddy and I, we used to throw, you remember the Don Johnson song, Heartbeat? We used to throw in, we're looking for an Arby's. Right, yeah, <laughs> so we, I heard that. We always used to, we, that used to be the egg on their face. Um, so, dude, so, like, what's up with these failed restaurant endeavors that, I know you, you can you can, you can comment on, you can, like the Candy Shop, Foster Smokehouse, Mariachi's Cantina. Like I remember, I remember leaving a huge 19-inch bowl winder, huge, a huge yam, a whole like Thanksgiving feast. Before we get into Foster's answer, once again, why would a national radio host on CBS Radio be asking about his failed restaurant ventures to the point where he's naming them by name? Like, do you think Scotty Farrell knows about Mariachi's Cantina and Foster's Closed House? What a what a took a shit. Then he, he took a shit. There weren't there weren't six patrons in these restaurants combined, but one of them was a national radio host with a sports show dropping a deuce in his toilet. Like I, what? How do you not hang up? How do you not? I mean, at this point, the odds of him hanging up have to be like three to five. But does he hang up? No. This is what he does. I left in the toilet. Like how many how many food services business have you tanked? I mean, I've been there myself, but like, what's up? What's going on with that? Well, the the only thing I will take uh, credit for was the candy place. I tried that, but the other, I wasn't an owner. They just wanted to use my name. Oh. Uh, so I pretty much let them do whatever they want to, and it they didn't uh, they didn't do the best. So uh-huh. um, I I didn't lose anything. Thank goodness. So. You didn't get tainted and get like whipped, whipped, whipped and nailed and uh, taken you into the back into one of those, what are those, the walk-ins that they got, the slabs of beef hanging. You didn't get taken out to the shed. I can respect that. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, you know, they just paid me to use my name and. Oh, they did. You know, it just, it didn't work out, so. 
um, you know, I didn't lose anything, so I'm good. Good, yeah, and, and, and like, the Detroit News, they, like, you don't think this is why they forced you out of a job? Well, they actually didn't force Okay. <laughs> so now he's on, he stays on the line, <laughs> defends the fact that he didn't lose any money allegedly on the cantina or the closed house. The only one that you can take, he can only take, the only one he takes the blame for is the candy store. He said took credit. Yeah, I, took, I only take credit for the, the only candy store. credit for the credit. bankruptcy of the candy calls it, store. Calls it credit. And once again, why is he asking, can you imagine people out there in Radio Land? Oh, yeah, I was just dying to know about what happened with Mariachi's <laughs> Cantina. I just, oh, I'm, can you imagine a guy in, like, Las Vegas saying, holy crap, we finally got to the bottom of it. Terry Foster had no financial interest in the Terry <laughs> Smokehouse. He was only given naming m- money for his, the name. I mean, what is Foster thinking at this point? And then he segues into, which we're coming up to, Asking if his failed restaurant ventures are the reason Detroit News fired him or forced him out. Like, what? Just great. And I love that he just goes right into another Moss talking point, too. Exactly. Like, it's yeah, just, right. like, you couldn't figure it's out. All the Moss talking points. It's the same thing with Lynn Henning, like the five to ten years of Jabba Chamberlain. And just, oh, again, you're talking about that Jeff Moss guy again. Like, right, you know, exactly. It's like, yeah, okay. Put it together. Yeah, Terry, the pieces of the puzzle are right there in front of you. It's me behind this. All right, <laughs> let's, let's restart it. Me out of a job. They were trying to talk me into uh, making the news their top priority, and that was the last right. meeting we had. Right. And, uh, and then my point is I'm, not, I'm tired of traveling. I've done it. I don't want to do it. Um, and what they wanted me to do is they wanted me to travel for the news and find find uh, radio stations to do the show and um, I just didn't feel like doing it so I asked for uh, early retirement they gave me a thing it wasn't well it's still early retirement they called it early separation or something like that so right now now did you have did you did you pull did you pull all the pull all that embezzled money <laughs> into a 409k <laughs> check it out nah Keeping it real. By the way, we're talking to... So, once again, he's been asked about the restaurants. Now, Terry Foster, is there a bigger narcissist in the the world that he thinks, once again, a national radio host would care about the details of his early separation (laughs) from the Detroit News? Who came up with that? Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow? Did they come up with that? Uh, label an early separation conscious uncoupling yeah exactly like how do you not understand that you're being fucked with at this point and he gives this by the way another bullshit answer can we get to the substance of what foster is saying here he he says that detroit news wanted him to make his his job there his top priority and once again he can't make the connection that obviously he's not going to give up his 97-1 job to make that his top priority and then looking for radio stations around the country to go before the game, which is not even possible. I mean, you're going to run to a radio station to coast the show with Valente. You're gonna, you're gonna, you can't t- interview the coach pregame. You're going to have to get there right when the game starts. It's just, it's just not feasible. And he still either is in denial or is so dumb he doesn't realize that they pushed him out, that they played – the one card that they had to get him to leave, and that was say you've got to put 
the news job over the 97-1 job. And he still thinks he wasn't forced out. I, I, I think it's more denial than anything else. But, there, I mean, you're not dealing with the sharpest knife in the drawer here. I mean, it's, he's still on. He's still on the phone, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's proof right there. So, I mean, like, can we bring can we bring it home on this? Yeah, we're gonna bring it home. Let's bring it home. Terry Foster, ninety-seven-one. Uh, just guy is just an animal. The guy is just in, got his hands into everything. Failed restaurants, failed marriages, failed liquor licenses. This guy's an animal, and uh, we love him here. And we love you. You mind if we take some calls? Terry. It's just the sound was different, right? At the, uh, so, so anyway, I, I, before we, we wrap this up, um, is there any way you could play that last 20 seconds again? Can you get to the last 20? I, wanna, I just want to play that one more yeah, time. Yeah, give me one second. All right. Uh, talk for a second. Okay. So... Maybe the last thirty seconds. Whenever he starts going into the failed marriages, you got to consider this. When I engage Sour's services, I figured when we started talking about the failed restaurants, that was going to be it. So I didn't give him like eight questions to ask. I just gave him like a you know ask him about the tigers, ask him about the lions, whatever, and then get to the bomb, the dagger questions. Sour went and researched this stuff on his own. I didn't Whenever you're ready. I didn't tell him that he had failed marriages. That, that's part of his genius. It's just unbelievable. He went and looked up the fact that he was married to Michelle Kaufman and they were divorced. And he bombed him with the failed the failed liquor licenses. How far did you have to dig to go Page looking? nine of Google. I mean, like, seriously. <laughs> like, let's, run that, let's run that audio yeah, again. Run that audio again. Failed marriages, failed liquor licenses. This guy's an animal. And uh, we love him here. And we love you. You mind if we take some calls? Terry. Oh my God! When I first heard, I heard it the first. I was, I, I was, I was in pain. I was laughing so hard because just the the thought that, like I said, I didn't feed that to him. Like that's on his own. I just the reason I like the Fennec call more. It, it, you know, the Foss one was great. Fennec carried the whole way through. I mean, he probably hung up the phone and went and texted people that he was just on the Mad Dog show. I mean, <laughs> and I, they were asking me weird questions. And, and Foster <laughs> hung up on him. So I mean, that's alone is the tiebreaker if you think it's even close. But um, just a great call. I mean, the guy's fantastic. I don't know what else. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's 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 just absolute rambling. It makes no sense. They have all the breadcrumbs to follow their way out of the door, out of this prank, and they just it takes them so long to get there. Because they think they're so important that a national radio host would care about any of These, this. Uh, you know, mundane things. It's yeah. just unbelievable. All right. Well, those are the pranks. We will have all the, the entire audio uh, up on the website later tonight so you can uh, listen to them as many times as you want. Download. Uh, I know some people on the DSR have already had um, <laughs> uh, ringtones created. I want some Arby's. <laughs> That's already a ringtone, I think. BCAV already snagged that one. So do with, with these pranks what you like. I hope you enjoyed them uh, and they were well worth it. We will be back with a uh, guest. You want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, just a quick, uh, quick tease. Just uh, bringing on Beth Ann Hamilton from Michigan State University again to give a, a little bit closer to an expert opinion than we could possibly give 
on last week's Mitch album scandal with his comments in the Jameis Winston rape accuser case. We'll be back. We'll be back. Welcome back to the DSR Podcast, episode 17-ish. Jeff Moss, Justin Spiro here with our great producer, Jessica, across the desk. Hey. So, you know, we had some fun with the prank calls that we played, and I wanted to move back into this Mitch album topic from last week. We were trying to get a guest desperately at the last minute last Tuesday to comment on this and offer a little more expertise. We were unable to do so on short notice with the story of his statement coming out just hours before our podcast, but happy to have amended that today. We welcome in Beth Ann Hamilton, a senior at Michigan State University right now, and more importantly for our purposes, the president of the Sexual Assault Crisis Intervention Program at MSU right now. How are you, Beth? Great, how are you? We are good. We are good. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to play 
Mitch Album's comments for you just and, and for the audience as well. I know you're already aware of them, but just as a refresher, and then I'm going to ask you a few mm-hmm. questions about them. Go ahead, Jessica. Uh, you know, first I'll say I'd feel a lot happier about this if the woman took that money and gave it to charity and said that's not what this was about. I always am suspect when people end up saying, well, I'm going to take it. But that being said. So, Bethann, I'm curious. I, I'm just going to ask you, what is your general reaction to that statement? Um, I mean, it's shocking, right? But it's also not because I think that it reflects like kind of a victim blaming. Um, like, I mean, a lot of people are doubtful. People want to come forward with sexual assault, so I think it um, reflects like a pretty average stereotype about sexual assault. Um, but it is pretty infuriating. I agree with pretty much everything that you said last week. Um, just I don't know. It's it's like. It's just not great to hear. Well, what's, I mean, you've, I, I would imagine you deal with, in your advocacy work, you know, victims of sexual assault. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what is what is the effect on a victim of sexual assault? Uh, there's There are so many survivors out there, and you've dealt with so mm-hmm. many. What is the effect on a, a victim of sexual assault when they hear something like that on ESPN, national television? <laughs> Right. I mean, well, an estimated 63% of sexual assaults are not reported to the police. Um, and so when we hear statements like this, like, it doesn't really make that statistic surprising. Um, the survivors are going to be met with backlash, harassment, disbelief, um, kind of a shame on such a public level. Um, it makes it um, really hard to come forward with that in the first place, even though we do know that the FBI estimates, like you said last week, that um, approximately 2% of reports are false. Um, so kind of comments like this just feel a culture of victim blaming, which is not founded in reality at all. So. Yeah, my question for you is, and I really appreciate you joining us tonight, is, you know, this wasn't some goofball on, you know, TV or radio, you know, some right. sports, you know, shock jock or someone with any, any credentials. <laughs> this was a gentleman mm-hmm. who is probably one of the most well-known and respected mm-hmm. Um, authors in the last 20 years. He sold millions and millions of books. He's, you know, he's the columnist uh, for the Detroit Free Press. He's very well respected. And it's just bizarre mm-hmm. to me that someone like that, who I would say, I don't think you would disagree, Spiro, he's a pretty liberal-minded guy, I yes. would think, over the years, that someone with that MO <laughs> would make such a tone-deaf comment and then kind of doubled down on it, really, and, and, and not apologize. And I, I just was wondering about mm-hmm. your feelings about that. Yeah, I mean, well, his response didn't really say much, right? He didn't apologize. Like, he just kind of tried to explain what he was trying to say, which didn't match up with what he said at all. Um, I don't know. To me, it just kind of, like, reflected a lack of empathy. Like, obviously, monetary compensation can't reverse trauma in the first place. So, like, even suggesting that is just completely ridiculous and I don't know why anyone would ever like feel entitled to you know tell a survivor of sexual violence like any any sort of comment like that um and you know I think it just kind of reflects an ignorance about like the reality of sexual assault so I mean it's yeah like this is a smart guy right but he just obviously like was not informed about this or you know didn't care and was just kind of reacting um Reacting with like stereotypes in mind about sexual assault victims. It was a very flippant comment, and it's not a flippant topic. And that's kind of leads to my next question: is we've got a national epidemic on college campuses uh, when it comes to sexual assault, 
And this mm-hmm. wasn't the civil suit between uh, Mr. Winston and his accuser. This was against the university right. for botching the the investigation and for you know causing this uh, young lady a lot of pain and misery. And mm-hmm. that's that's just like a whole nother level of this because we all know from the president on down has commented on what a horrible issue we have on college campuses with sexual assault. And he's kind of just belittling the fact, you know, well, if she doesn't donate the money to charity, I I really don't know if I can believe her. And that just, to me, is such a toxic statement with this epidemic that we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of, this case, specifically in these comments, kind of reflects, like, a systemic failure at a lot of levels, right? So there's a failure of, like, the university in the first place for causing um, the student to go through all the trauma that she did after she already was sexually assaulted. Um, and then it's kind of another level, too, of the media, right, of, like, a person that, you know, should theoretically be informed on these issues and, like, should, you know, it has, like, a, a, an amount of responsibility in, like, the public eye, um, just completely, like, failing to understand sexual assault or even, like, have empathy for a survivor and then come back and, like, not even apologize for having, for having made that comment kind of just reflects, like, a failure across so many levels, which, um, you know, is not encouraging to see, but um, I do appreciate um, your show kind of, like, holding albums responsible for these comments and, like, continuing to discuss, like, why this might have happened and, like, how we can prevent comments and attitudes like this in the future from coming up again. Again, Beth Ann Hamilton, our guest, she is president of the Sexual Assault Crisis Intervention Program at MSU. You know, I, I can't honestly pretend to know the emotional trauma of a sexual assault. Uh, fortunate never to have experienced something like that in my history. And I, I don't think anyone who hasn't can pretend to relate to it in any way. I, I'll, I'll just ask something that I think everyone can relate to to some extent, and it was part of my rant last week on this topic, but not as important as the emotional trauma, but still relevant to me as far as album's comments are concerned. I, can you speak a little bit about the financial implications for, for a victim that you, you know, you've maybe worked with or helped get support before, the, just how it can hit them, even just financially, to the point where they would need, right, yeah. to the point where they would need the settlement? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like a sexual assault is expensive. It's not like, it's, you know, it's, it's like you, you mentioned that she probably had to pay for like relocation costs, um, whatever fees are associated with like, for tuition, student housing, like moving that all around, um, any costs of like attorneys, time taken off for like counseling or work, um, the I mean the money to like get counseling in the first place, like there is I mean it's not it's not an easy thing to go through. Um, besides like in addition to like the trauma that you're going through, like it affects your life in like so many different ways. So um, yeah, I think that was really important to like mention that. You know, you shouldn't be telling this girl what to do with this money. You know, like she's already paid enough, like emotionally and financially, probably. And again, you mentioned briefly, but just the legal fees alone, and, and this isn't uh, a case of you know even defamation or something, which is bad. I mean, you know, I I went to law school. I know a little bit about the law, and just criminal court is one thing, but just to to be rewarded the damages, just to even attempt to to, to seek an attempt to be made whole on this. Is, is so expensive in and of itself in any context, mm-hmm. but especially in a context like this where 
you're really you're it's like a you're going into the snake pit a little bit. You're in Tallahassee, Florida, where Florida State football runs the show, runs the police department as we learn the hard way here, runs the entire city uh, in a similar way to Joe Paterno in Happy Valley in Pennsylvania at Penn State. And, and I just think that puts even more pressure where you know you have to get the best attorney to even have a chance here, and it of course increases the emotional drama uh, trauma. And I, I'm curious, you deal. I, I wouldn't even say predominantly, probably entirely up there with college students. Is there an extra added pressure for a victim of sexual assault who is in college? And if so, why? Right. I mean, well, one thing is just um, socially, like you kind of live in a bubble on a college campus, especially, especially when an athlete is involved. They're already placed in such a position of power um, and people admire that. And they, you know, they want to stand up for these people and consider they're good people. So when they're, um, you know, when someone comes forward and says, like, this happened to James Winston, like, they don't want to believe that because we want to think that, you know, people who sexually assault others are, like, you know, strangers or they're bad people or they, like, are, you know, just some kind of monster when, like, the reality is that it's, like, everyday people. It's more likely that um, someone is sexually assaulted by an acquaintance. So, um, yeah, and so in addition to that, just, like, thinking about, like, the life of a college student, so many college students are working, going to class full-time, like, there are so many things that your schedule is kind of already packed for, but, like, me personally thinking about, like, trying to add, um, considering a criminal investigation on top of that, like, I can't even imagine how overwhelming that might be. I think I, I think these victims need all the help they can get, not people mm-hmm. that are, are making this even more difficult. I mean, that's, that's just me, and that's what I found was so appalling is, you know, these are the people, and it was the same thing with the Penn State thing in a way, uh, not just in that it was a sexual assault, but, you know, the school not pursuing it aggressively enough. And it just, it's so, these are the people we need to protect, these people who the, are. The media doesn't seem to be helping. You've got, no. you got Elbum making these comments. Last year you had Rolling Stone um, with that article, which didn't help matters at all when it turned out that they didn't do very good reporting. No, so, of course it's one of like, the two percent. Like, just that's the one that gets. Or maybe not. Off. I mean, well, maybe I, she, I, I'm not sure she. There's something didn't happen, but the reporting was bad, no matter what. I mean, yeah, yeah. it just. It's mm-hmm. like we just don't need any of this, and it's you know, it's hard enough as it is. That's the point. Yeah. Their battle's hard enough as it is. But uh, again, Beth Ann Hamilton, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. it just in, in closing, is there anything you would say to Mitch Album if you could speak to him? What would you say to try to make him understand? If you could say just one thing to him, I guess I would just say educate yourself and take responsibility for your actions. You know, it's fine to say like you know I was uninformed or like his comment was, you know, a mistake. Like, I should have actually said this. Like, just be responsible for making a mistake and then educate yourself and make it a priority to educate others. Um, you know, like, help create a culture where victims can come forward and be met with belief and support um, rather than contributing to, you know, a culture that doesn't believe them and blames them for their own fault. So. Well, Miss Hamilton, thank you so much for joining us and for your work doing uh, very important advocacy work up at my alma mater. Greatly appreciate it, and thank you so much for your <laughs> yeah, time Yeah, thank tonight. you so much for having me. Of course. Thank anytime. you very much. Thank you. Yep, have a good night. Good you night. as well. Beth okay. Ann Hamilton, senior at Michigan State, and just uh, anyone who – dedicates their life to something like this. I just, I mean, they're better people than you and me. Well, that doesn't take much to be better people than you Well, it's not a high bar to clear, perhaps. Real low. Real real low. That's like the lowest rung when they're playing that, uh, what's that game that they play at Bar Mitzvahs? 
How low can you go with you're that asking, bar? You're asking me about the well, Jewish faith and no. traditions and the you, Jewish you, you, you dated a Jew for many years. Yeah, but I dated her post-mitzvah uh, age. Oh, okay. All right. The only show where you can get flatulence, prank calls of the Detroit media, and a serious topic like sexual assault. I mean, there's we're just – We're all over the we're place. We're all over the It's map. a very eclectic mix. All right. We'll take one more break and we'll come back. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I mean – if anybody wants to call in and try to win, win Red Wing tickets, I don't know if there's anyone still out there. But, uh, <laughs> Under what basis? What's I don't the, know. We could we could just, just gonna make a, it up as we go along. Trivia questions, DSR trivia or something. Yeah, two four eight five seven nine five two nine five. If anyone wants to try to win some Red Wing tickets, it's or it's a Cali ticket donation. Yeah, well, either that or the Jeff Moss donation. Two four eight five seven nine five two nine five. You have any reaction to the uh, phone calls? You want to call in and talk about that? You want to try to maybe win Wings tickets. I don't know. Maybe we can come up with a trivia game. Um, maybe like if you get three out of four questions right at DSR Trivia. We've done that before. And I also will be briefly bombing Greg Krupa. Okay. So 248-579-5295 if you want to call in, say anything. If not, uh, Spiro will uh, bomb Detroit Red Wings writer for the Detroit News, uh, Greg Krupa. We'll be back.
right, we're back. Last segment of the DSR podcast, February 9th. What a show this has been. Uh, in a few years, I'm sure this, this uh, program will be on the best of DSR podcasts. You'll be hearing this for many years. You want to talk about Greg Krupa real quick? Yeah, I, I, you know, I was on Twitter hiatus for a couple of weeks, and I had to bomb this guy. Yeah, why, what happened there? I can't describe. I wasn't supposed to be back yet, and I might be going back off. Um, oh God! Based on a conversation, but I yeah, can't get into that right now. Uh, you know, let's do this trivia question first. Greg, are you with us right now? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, not Greg Krupa on the line called in for these no. <laughs> Red Wings tickets. Do you have uh, a beard and do you look uh, like that guy from the Lord of the Rings, the one the with George R. R. Martin? No, no, the guy from no the Lord beard, of the Rings. No uh, beard, mine it's about 200 pounds probably. <laughs> a Dylan Larkin fan, though it's not my job to be objective about the Detroit Red Wings. So, yeah, you don't get paid and you, you're not ostensibly a journalist. Do so. you sometimes squeal like a girl when he turns on the afterburners, we'll get. We'll get to that. Okay, okay. Greg. Uh, Moss wanted to do a DSR trivia question. I overruled him because it's my website. Um, I'm going to ask you a Red Wings trivia what? question since we're giving. Did your dad purchase it again? Yeah, for the second time. Uh. We're doing <laughs> Red Wing tickets on the giveaway, so I figure I'll make it a Red Wing question, and uh, I'm going to po- posit it to you. Obviously, you have to answer pretty quickly because there's things called smartphones and Google and whatnot. I'm going to go right to it. Year 2002, Yuri Fisher is suspended for Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals over the Carolina Hurricanes. Who replaced him in the lineup? Oh, God. I don't even know that. Holy crap. Wow. Um, Can I help him? It's your tickets. Yuri Yuri Slager? Yep. Come on. Yuri Slager. Was it really? Got his name on the cup. Are you serious? Yeah, he was not going to have his name on the cup. But Fisher got suspended for, like, killing somebody the game before. All right, Greg. I do remember that in Return to Hockey Town 3, now that you say that. I would never have guessed in a million years. All right. Um, Leave it to Justin e- to pick, like, an excessively hard question. Yeah, email, I, I would have gotten it. Email me oh. your, uh, your information, and Here we'll you. get you some tickets, even though I got the question right and you didn't. That's, that's the DSR, yeah. though. That's, we're the, we're yeah, they things. I appreciate it. We're very magnanimous. Yes. Yeah. Plus, we had so many other calls. Yeah, so many know. calls. All right. <laughs> so I, I, I do want to bomb this this Greg Krupa turd thanks, Greg. again. All right, um, thanks, yeah. Greg. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Uh, this I had to end my brief, relatively brief, I guess, couple week Twitter hiatus to briefly come out of retirement to handle this Greg Krupa thing yet again. We covered it, I believe, two weeks ago now. This is a guy that throws his... Oh, by the way, make this real quick because we, we, we should update the piston situation. We haven't been on since last Thursday night. He, th- he throws a one-man Mardi Gras every time the Red Wings score a goal, make a nice pass, whatever. So I'm just going to read a couple of the tweets from the last two Red Wings games, and I, I had to be very selective here. This is Greg Krupa, who is ostensibly a professional journalist, not even a columnist, like basically a beat writer covering the team. All caps. Oh, boy. Them old boys. They like to give and go, baby. (laughs) With one, two, three, four, five exclamation marks at the end of that caps lock (laughs) sentence. This is after a nice little give and go between Datsuk and Zetterberg. Another tweet. This is his favorite thing to say. Miraziculous. All caps. Flashes the weather and the faithful stand and applaud. And then I think this is the real low point in Greg Cooper's life, professionally anyway. He says, ain't no dance competition like a Detroit fans competi- dance competition. Ricky laying out some music here, and the folks are going for it. 
This is a guy who is such a Red Wings slappy that he's a slappy for their shitty hockey jockey at the JLA. <laughs> and and he is he doesn't only shill for the players on the ice and the coaches <laughs> behind the bench. He shills for the fans dancing on the dance cam <laughs> and the shitty hockey jockey. I, I, this is a new level. I, I've never I, – we've seen team shills in this town since before the DSR was a thing. I have never in my time here in about 11 years seen somebody shilling for the fans of the team. It's just a new O. And then again, a little bingo-bango analysis from Greg Krupa. This is a journalist. Datsuk from Zetterberg, just like the days of old, three-zip, wings. You know, the editorializing that goes on on this guy's Twitter feed when he's supposed to be just basically a a dry reporter, I don't mind throwing a little personality into it. You're a journalist. You're not Ken Hawk Harrelson, who's not a journalist, who's a broadcaster paid for the team. Like, you're not paid by the team. Tim Twentyman doesn't embarrass himself like this, and Martha Ford signs his paycheck. And he drives a company car. And he works down the, down the hall. So I, Greg Krupa is an absolute disgrace. And I think the biggest joke to the profession and the biggest embarrassment to the journalism profession in the town. I mean, you can argue whether he's the worst media member or not. There's no question he's the, the biggest affront. Oh, he's the biggest slapdick. He's, he's the bi- uh, right, but he's the, I think he's the biggest affront to the field. And he's also the biggest probably by weight other than Scott Anderson. Okay, well, that too. We should give a quick update on what happened last Thursday night, don't you think? Sure, whatever. Whatever. So <laughs> Spiro uh, graciously took me to the uh, Pistons-Knicks game. We had seats right behind Stan Van Gundy, the first row behind the Pistons bench. Uh, we were on TV, on TNT, all evening long, I was told. You went there to once again taunt Andre Drummond or coerce him into, I guess, taking underhanded free throw shots. You made the gesture uh, a few times, and um, a police officer came up to you. And what do you? What was what was what was said to you? Well, I, a police officer came up with the head of Piston Security and and just said, "Hey, you know, we're all here to watch the game. Enough's enough." And the cop says. Uh, you know, kind of putting on the tough guy act in front of the Pistons security staff, just saying, you know, hey, one more time and you're out of here. And I asked, I, I said, what is the specific offense that I'm not supposed to be repeating, just to clarify? Because I didn't say anything uh, to Andre Drummond. I, I wasn't heckling anybody. The only other thing I said the entire game was, you know, hey, Stan Van, sit down. we got a 30-point lead. You can relax, which that's another story right there. I was wrong about that. But, yeah, right. But so that was the end of it. And so I'm thinking kind of like, God, you know, this cop's kind of a dick, like coming over here. I didn't even really do anything. And so sure enough, at the end of the game, and I was silenced after that other than doing a few thumb-sucking motions to Darian Hilliard, who was <laughs> conti- the bench player for the Pistons, who was continuing to give me dirty looks, and Reggie Bullock as well. Um, you know, I had to be pretty subtle. They were watching me like a hawk. But the, the buzzer goes off, and the same police officer comes up to me and says, hey, I just want you to know, like, they basically made me say all that stuff. They, you know, if they come and report you, I, I have to, you know, put on the – he didn't – I'm paraphrasing, but he basically has to put on the act of, you know, law enforcement. He said, uh, they've all been talking about you. They know who you are. They know what you're doing. They're watching you every time that you're going to be here. And if they catch you doing it again, the under the underhanded motion, the underhanded. Well, I was going to get there. Thanks. Yeah. But he says, it, but his this was an exact quote. He goes, if they catch you doing it again, 
they're going to ban you from the Palace of Auburn Hills for life. And I was going to say the it, as Moss just clarified, was the underneath free throw motion. And this, I mean, we had videotape. We had multiple witnesses around. One of them is right next to me. I, I was not vulgar. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't even saying anything. Saying I was nothing. Any, I, I was saying literally nothing. I had nothing nice. You could have been a deaf or, mute for all week. I, I, you know, just the the underhanded free throw motion, which I'd only done a couple times. I wasn't, you know, telling them to, you know, go to hell or flicking them off or uh, nothing. I mean, just the underhanded free throw motion. And not only was that enough to say, hey, knock it off. Not only was that enough to say, hey, we might throw you out and, you know, you're going to miss the second half or whatever. It was enough to say, you do that one more time, they're going to throw you out of here for a life. And also, the Pistons director of security, who sits on the bench there with them, uh, came up to me. And I hadn't said anything all night. The only thing I did all night was I defended Andre Drummond because a Knicks fan in a Porzingis jersey, two seats away from me, started yelling at him, calling him soft. And I said, you can say a lot of things. He's not soft. He's not, I was he's defend- not a soft player. Right. The only he's thing, soft. Soft mentally. Yeah. But the only thing I did all day long was defend him, Drummond. I'm periscoping the end of the game, and then I started periscoping your interaction with this nice gentleman, this police officer from Auburn Hills. And this the, the um, Pistons director of security, Jerry Hendon, this piece of crap, comes up to me and says, you can't video that, Whoa. and grabs my phone forcibly what? out of my hand really? to the point like he scratched me. Can we talk about the fact and that... And hold on a second. Okay. You can't video police? Uh, I didn't get that memo from Rodney King or any of the 17 <laughs> young black men in the last two years who've been shot and killed. The guy... Gr- so well, I was like the, the, shocked. The, the Supreme Court actually recently ruled on this that explicitly saying that you can videotape Police officers. It right. was it was actually at issue whether you're disrupting, you know, legal procedure or whatever. Uh, Grab but my phone. It, out it, of my it's hand. actually a fact that it, you cannot. It's actually illegal to restrict law enforcement. Yeah, and this asshole. I just and, and I was like the video shock. taping of law enforcement. I grabbed the motherfucker. I just grabbed it right back, ripped it right out of his hands, yeah. and he was like, kind of like, started shaking, like, like Blair, realizing it's like the Blair Witch Project, right. it's like shaking around. Yeah. For a second. <laughs> you, you can see the periscope. You can see the video on the website. It's like, yeah, it's going crazy. And then he he was nervous. I think. I think you realize he fucked yeah, up. I, I think it hit him. I'm like, it dude, on him pretty quick. There's like 150 people watching this live right now, well, and, and they're right. doing this. And so we're we're finally leaving. And the usher who had told me earlier in the game when I had made my comment to Stan Van Gundy which was not negative. Uh, he just said, you can't even say anyone's name. It's a new NBA rule. You can't call out a player's name or a coach's name. It's against the rules. And he said, you know, hey, what did the officer say to you? And I relayed the story to him. And he said, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I hate to enforce any of this stuff on guys. I don't think it's any big deal what you were doing. But that's the rule here. And Andre, Andre is, quote, very sensitive about his free throws. That's a direct quote from the usher. It, it's known with Palace ushers, with security, with the whole team, that this is a sensitive issue and you don't touch it. And that's why I'm out on this guy and I have no interest right. in, in him as my franchise player. I'll conclude this. I know we have to wrap up. I will be there tomorrow night for Chauncey Billups' jersey retirement. Behave yourself. Courtside, next to the Nuggets bench in the first row. Will I or will I not no. do the underhanded free throw here's, motion? Here's my suggestion. I, I don't know. Here's but. my suggestion, okay? here's Because... You might want to go to a concert one day at the Palace. You might want to right. go to the Pistons, but you don't yeah. want to get banned for a lot. You have to show up in the Bobby Valentine costume to go to see, like, Aerosmith I don't or think they'd ban me for life for it. But. Uh, uh, so anyway, what we should do is buy baseline tickets right in front of the basket 
in Cleveland or Toronto yeah. or Chicago, somewhere we can easily drive yep. and go and do it all game long. Because guess what? <laughs> if we're in the ACC or we're in Quicken or we're at the United Center, we ain't getting thrown out for taunting Andre Drummond about his awful free throw shooting. Yep. And I think we need to make a road trip. Because Jerry Hendon, come after me when I'm in Toronto. The Raptors aren't going to get rid of me, jackass. You and Vincent Goodwill are going to be the two guys not allowed to go into Toronto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And anyone with a DUI in the last 10 years. Okay, that's the show. Next week, I think we're going to probably release the uh, bracket for the Tournament of 64, the Detroit sports media, the worst personality in Detroit. We'll probably do that, I'm guessing, on t- next podcast. Hopefully Spear will be here. His wife is about to explode at any moment with the birth <laughs> of their first daughter, Evelyn. So we're always a little precarious there, but worst case scenario, I guess Jessica can co-host with me. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we'll do that, <laughs> or we'll get Taylor back, or we'll do something. <laughs> we'll come up with some idea. All right, well, thanks for joining us. We will see you next Tuesday. Stick around, Podcast Detroit. The undercard is coming up. We are off the radio. Next. This is a previously recorded episode.